lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Sports Stars Magazine editor Chase Bryson, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Ben Enos. For this episode, we're recording on mid-Monday morning, and I'm still recovering from our house hosting a sleepover comprised of four sixth-grade boys on Saturday night. A birthday party for my oldest son, Connor. Two nights in Vegas took less out of me, Ben. I've been to concerts that were less loud. But enough of me whining. How are you this week? Hello, good people of internet land. A, a sleepover, huh? What does yes. a sleepover of young men even look like these days? Are are they out on the back patio shooting dice, or are they all, <laughs> they all no. huddled around the living room TV playing whatever video game is in fashion these days? It was a lot of video games. It was a movie, a lot of yelling. There was even a morning swim, which was unexpected, but they got in anyways. I don't know. Are they the polar bears? <laughs> Not very warm anymore. They were fearless and loud. Yeah, I can. Well, you know, they, he is your son, fearless and loud. That's <laughs> that's Chase Bryson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, not not many sleepovers for me as a kid that I can recall. Um, I, I do recall a particular work trip in which you and I slept through a shooting. <laughs> does, does that qualify as a sleepover? <laughs> Technically, I guess it would. We should ask Terry later about that trip and if he would have been willing to come talk to the good detectives that investigated the crime. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing like waking up to officers sweeping your room for stowaways. I just wanted breakfast. <laughs> that was not, not bueno. No. Well, at the end of last week's Thursday Pick'em Show, we left you listeners with the notion that it was a good week of league matchups and we'd see a lot of league title favorites take shape. That's certainly what happened. And we definitely had a few shockers along the way, perhaps most notably Salinas who entered Friday night as our number eight ranked NorCal team and suffered his first loss of the season at Aptos. The Mariners 44 41 win created a three-way tie atop the Pacific coast gavel and division Aptos, Salinas, and Palma of Salinas are all 6-1 and one now. We also had Central Catholic Modesto flex its muscle with a four-touchdown win over Oakdale, 35-7. The Valley Oak League race will surely come down to the Raiders in Manteca this week, a game we'll be talking about more on Thursday, I'm sure. Also, it didn't have a massive impact on league standings, but we wanted to shout out Sacred Heart Cathedral for posting its first shutout win of St. Ignatius since 1987. The Irish won the Bruce Mahoney rivalry game 10-0 on Friday. Finally, you and I both had league title implications at play in our matchups last week. I'll let you start. Just how back are the ugly eagles of Clayton Valley? Yeah, the death of Clayton Valley was indeed greatly exaggerated. Uh, I, you know, I came away super impressed with the ugly eagles. They're running the spread offense that everyone at this point has heard about. But what I saw was a team that can actually be pretty balanced when it wants to or it needs to. I think Coach Murphy settled on Christian Aguilar under center, and he was really efficient and very good against San Ramon Valley. Nick Kashabi and Micah Avery were forces on the ground, and that was even without Will Stallings, who's been hurt for a few weeks from what I understand. You combine that offensive balance and production with a defense that's getting better and better, and I think those guys are going to be a real contender come the end of the season. Now, before I get off the topic, I do want to give some credit to Clayton Valley defensive coaches John Canessa and Nick Tisa, who I thought came up 
with an absolutely great scheme to slow down SRV quarterback Luke Baker. They made him hold the ball just that extra second longer, and that really took SRV out of rhythm, I thought. Just a really good performance all the way around by uh, by Clayton Valley. So, while I hung out in Danville, you took the trip into M-Town for a Diablo Athletic League showdown between Campo and Akalanis that did not disappoint. What did you see from the Cougs and Dons, and why is this still Coach Macy's League to lose? That might have been my favorite game that I covered so far this season. The atmosphere at Cougar Stadium was excellent. It was a sellout crowd announced by the public address announcer as the venue's biggest football crowd ever, and it certainly sounded like it. Campolino, man, the Cougars, they just find ways to win. We've seen it over and over and over again. I honestly thought Dashiell Weaver was the difference maker at quarterback. That was my first time seeing him since the NCS Division II Championship last year, and he's really blossomed into an all-around playmaker. He made big plays with his arm and his feet, and not just running plays. I mean, he did have 49 rushing yards, but some of the plays with his feet were just extending plays, knowing when to break out of the pocket, knowing when to stay in it. Uh, He just made really good decisions all night long. Still, I'll be posting a feature on Wednesday that focuses on the role players and unsung guys that always seem to step up for Campolindo in these big games. This week, it was senior receiver Sean Spillane. He caught a crucial 51-yard pass while playing in his first game in six weeks after recovering from a broken thumb. It was his only catch tonight, but it flipped the field, set up the Cougars' last TD, a one-yard run by Weaver that would prove to be the difference in the 27-24 win. Robbie Mascaroni caught his 10th and 11 touchdowns of the season, and he also picked up an interception on defense during his first two-way action of the season. So, we can't crown the Cougars Diablo Athletic League Foothill Division champions just yet. I mean, they are officially still tied at the top of the standings with Miramani, but getting past Akalanes may prove to be the biggest hurdle, and we'll just have to see. Akalanes, I thought, looked good. They they battled, but Campo just had an answer for everything they, they gave him that last night, so or on Friday, so... Is Akalani still running the two-quarterback system? They are. Sully Bailey did the first half, um, and uh, Jake Baselli did the second half. Uh, they combined for almost 300 yards passing, and that's not surprising because uh, they, they passed the ball so well. But they did turn the ball. They did have – there were three interceptions between them, um, and then there was also a critical fumble uh, late in the game. Campo, Campo just did all the right things when it mattered most, it, it seemed like. so. Per usual. Yep, pretty huge, exactly. All right, well, we're about to enter week nine. We're officially in the home stretch of the regular season. Therefore, we thought we'd spend this week going over a few of the top storylines that we'll be following during these last three weeks. And I'll let you go ahead and start us off with a storyline that's worth watching as we finish this regular season out. It's interesting that you brought this up this week because I was actually talking about one with a friend on Saturday night. And it fits perfectly here. I'm going to be watching how the Division One and Open Division bracket in the North Coast section shakes out down the stretch. Uh, I, I took a look at the division breakdown. Did you know, and this seems wild given the history of this bracket, there are only 11 teams in Division One now. Yeah, that is weird. So, so there's eight spots for 11 teams. Uh, so let's take a quick look at the teams that are up for grabs here. We know that Cal High, Pittsburgh, Heritage, and James Logan are all already eligible with five or more wins. Liberty's an interesting case because I'm not too sure how we classify Los Gatos these days. Mm. Um, If they're D1, Liberty still has a little work to do to get eligible. If they're not, then I think Liberty's in on D1 results. Either way, I think they get in eventually anyway. Um, 
And we assume that De La Salle and Clayton Valley are going to get there soon as well. Uh, so that leaves us seven teams eligible for four, seven teams eligible with four spots uh, up for grabs. In the Bryson Valley Athletic League, <laughs> Antioch's big win last week over Heritage actually puts them in a really good spot. Although they're three and four, they only need one win in their last three games to get to three and two in league and get eligible. Uh, Freedom is two and four and would need to win its next two games against Pitt and Antioch to get to 500 against D1 schools and get eligible. In the EBAL, Monta Vista is two and five and would need to win out to get eligible. And then to me, we come to the wild card. It's Amador Valley. The Dons are four and three right now overall, so they need one win over the next three weeks. Next up is San Ramon Valley, a D2 school. Then De La Salle pays a visit to Pleasanton. I don't think they're going to be favored in either of those. So then we come to the final week of the season at home against Cal High. That could be for all the marbles for them to get eligible. Now, one more quick point on this topic before I give up the microphone here. Uh, let's assume the NCS uses the same format as last year. Top two seeds point towards the open final. I don't think either of those spots is actually locked up yet. De La Salle Clayton Valley is still going to be a really good game on the final night of the regular season. The big little game could still be a compelling matchup between Antioch and Pittsburgh and Pitt still has to play heritage, which could be competitive. So I think uh, there's a ton left to play for in this bracket. I think, we don't know everything we're going to know in a couple weeks, and there's still a few surprises in store. So now that I've taken all of our time, what do you think about Division One and Open Division in the NCS? I didn't go as far as breaking down every all 11 teams as you just did, but I mean, looking, I was definitely looking at that at the at those three Open Division uh, possible teams: the De La Salle, Clayton, and Pittsburgh, and and. That De La Salle Clayton Valley game on November fourth is is definitely a lot more intriguing to me now uh, than it was just a couple of weeks ago. So, I I just think it'd be it, it would be crazy to me to think that if Clayton Valley somehow Clayton Valley could somehow win that game, um, we've certainly been shocked before um, so far this season in terms of of De La Salle against certain teams, and we're going to talk about this with Coach Edson. Um, later, but Clayton Valley is playing the style of offense now that has really hurt De La Salle this season. So that's that's definitely going to be fascinating. Um, and to think that the to think that the two open seeds could be Clayton Valley and Pittsburgh is pretty wild. Uh, I mean, you know, we give De La Salle some credit. They bounced back this week. They looked good against Cal uh, in a forty-one-seven win. So uh, lots of things still to play out. And like, yeah, like you said, it's eleven teams is just wild to me considering those used to be 16 team brackets in division yeah. one right it's crazy you know we we um you think about other sections that do it differently you know i saw san ramon valley on friday night you've seen san ramon valley either either we're going to go off enrollment and go all the way or we're going to go competitive equity or and we're going to go all the way but san ramon valley man division two come on yeah, I mean that—that's one of the best teams in the NCS. So, um, I don't think be... if you're if you're gonna call it an open division, you should be able to pull from any division, right? Yeah. So if you're, I mean, theoretically, and I, I'm not saying. I mean, clearly Clayton Valley has shown that they're they're now a better team than San Ramon Valley, so you wouldn't pull them up over Clayton Valley for an open spot. But theoretically, we could, you you know for one of those two open spots, if 
someone like Saruman Valley was that good, you could bring them up. But I don't know. Yeah, Saruman Valley certainly looks like they could handle a Division One bracket just fine. And yeah, um, and, and you would always, if you were really going to do an open division, you would always include Campolindo in that discussion. Sure. And Coach Macy will probably break my kneecaps for saying that, <laughs> but that is historically proven that they deserve to be in that discussion. And with that said, a we certainly look like we're on a collision course for a rematch of Saramo and Campo uh, in Division Two in the Division Two playoffs this year, probably for a title. And that will be a good game, having seen both teams. The, those those will be that'll be a fun one. Don't sleep on the surging Foothill Falcons. Oh. <laughs> and I, I mean, Aquilonis was three points away from winning that game too, and they're, but they're Division Three. They're right? D three, yeah. They're Division Three, so, so they might be clashing with your boys from from El Cerrito, right? That would be a fun game to watch. It would be. All right, so let's let's do one more um, one more storyline here that I've been, been thinking about lately. Speaking of crowning teams early, it seems like several folks are under the impression that Sarah has the CIF Open Division berth all wrapped up. I'll grant that they should definitely close out the regular season at 10-0, but the storyline that I'll be watching is can anyone threaten Sarah? So far, the Padres have won all of their West Catholic Athletic League games by at least three touchdowns, and the last three games of the regular season are all against teams with records under 500. While there's always a chance St. Francis or Bellarmine flip the script in a playoff rematch, it seems the team with the best shot are likely coming from outside the WCAL Wilcox, Santa Clara, Los Gatos or Sacred Heart Prep of Atherton and I think if I could only pick one I think I'd take the Gators of Sacred Heart Prep Coach Edson who we'll hear from shortly is always preaching about how defense wins championships Sacred Heart to me has an elite defense they returned seven starters to the defense this season and it's definitely shown they haven't allowed more than 13 points at all this year and they're coming off a 24-0 shutout of Burlingame, which was a fifth straight game of allowing seven points or less. So I'm keeping an eye on that Wilcox-Los-Gatos game this week that we'll also talk about on Thursday. But it seems like Sacred Heart could have the best chance to press Sarah. I mean, but you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows indeed. It, it's hard to accurately predict what's going to happen in a playoff bracket when you don't know what teams are eligible sure. to be in that bracket. Um, so that that's difficult. Uh, yeah, my answer would depend on the bracket because if if Wilcox ends up in there, maybe them. But is there anything to Wilcox like rolling out some second stringers this week against Los Gatos? <laughs> I mean, you would never a coach would never do that. But we've heard this before, and I think there's something to this. Like, if there was ever incentive to lose, and you wanted to go back to a state championship game. And you're right. Wilcox this week? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I, I echo you. I don't really see any of the West Catholic League teams being able to turn the tables all of a sudden. So this storyline to me is a long shot. I don't. I'm maybe count me in that corner that Sarah is borderline unbeatable uh, until the state game. But I don't know. Yeah, if Wilcox and up in there maybe them i'll say that all right and now we're going to take a quick time out for a quick message from sports stars magazine's podcast partner the california army national guard at some point your community will be challenged it could be a flood forest fire 
hurricane or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. So with storylines in the books, uh, we transition to the man who can speak with extreme prejudice about every level of football, Coach Terry Edson. This week, we chat with Coach Edson about De La Salle's win over Cal High, discuss his neighborhood school a little bit, and the coaching philosophy behind mid-season adjustments. Let's listen in. Now it's time to welcome in our favorite weekly visitor, Coach Terry Edson. Coach I'll start by just asking you how your weekend was in general. I imagine you took quite a bit of pleasure in USC's defeat. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I picked USC getting three and a half in a pool, a college <laughs> football pool. I was really, it was like the best of both worlds. They lost, they covered and they lost. It was beautiful. And I actually won the pool for like the first time in like three years. So it was the best feeling ever. Yeah. Picking football going well for you these days. <laughs> Look at that. Um, yeah, it was, that was, uh, that was quite a game though. That was crazy. I'm not sure. I'm not coaching USC. I don't know why all of a sudden they decided just to throw it deep all of, out of the blue. I mean, why not move it down the field, you know, and try to get a field goal? Like, look at like Kansas City did. I mean, Harrison Butker kicked a 62-yarder, but the idea of just getting it to your athletes and let them go, you know, they had plenty of time. I, it, You know, just a short, quick pass, they're playing back. I don't – that was weird. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my college football weekend we're not going to talk about because there was a lobotomy had in Boulder, Colorado <laughs> this weekend. Um, that wasn't so good. That it was, was not, not good. That was not no. good. That, I, uh, that was a little shocking to me. I enjoyed. I was listening to part of it on the radio and uh, California high school coach and noted Cal legend Mike Pulaski at one point said, I've been searching for the right adjective to describe Cal's offense today, and I think I've got it. Yuck. <laughs> Abysmal. Yuck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think how much money you could have made if you had told someone, I'm betting that I'm gonna bet you that Stanford wins and Cal loses. You could get you that'd be yeah. That'd have oh been my a goodness. good uh, that'd have been a that'd have been a, a bonanza right there. Oh, well, look at you tying that in. <laughs> like that. <laughs> this is last year. You gotta throw that in yeah, there. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Well, all college games aside, let's start this week's segment by giving you a platform to say something nice about your De La Salle Spartans for a change. All things considered, I'm guessing it's hard to find a whole lot wrong about a 41-7 to win. <laughs> well, I was really very pleased to see that um, our tradition of our kickoff team was definitely back. That was, They were running down the field, causing havoc like the old days, so... I was especially uh, happy to see that. And and I, I like I said, I've been saying that the offense is incrementally, you know, getting better week in, week out. And we have the two-headed monster, you know, if we're struggling with one quarterback, we can go with the other one. And, it, and they both bring different skill sets. So I, I think it's a great idea to, to mix and match with those guys. And um, uh, it was uh, uh, fun to see, you know, Cal High, they, their quarterback is really good and, and Danny Calcagno does a great job there. I've always, you know, I coached against when Danny was quarterbacking at San Diego in the playoffs and 
Um, always like the work that he's done, and he's doing a great job at, at Cal High. He just got a little, a lot of injuries. I, the defensive coordinator, Ned Milan, and I are friends, and first thing I said to him was like, why does it seem like there's more guys out of uniform than in uniform? They walked out like like 11 guys walked out in street clothes. So it, it's hard, you know. I think they were, had some sickness during the week, so it's just hard to – when you got, you know, with kids, those are going to have those bad weeks, but overall um, I felt we still need, I still think we need to shore up our defense a little bit more, but uh, things were definitely, that was definitely a good game for us for sure. One thing I did notice, uh, I, I find interesting and, you know, I was giving you guys a bad time when my pick Livermore scored 30 and gave up 38 and, Ceremony scored 42 and gave up 45, whatever god awful number it was. But I just, you know, looked at the, in the paper what I had. I, it's not all the scores, but it gives you, you know most of the section scores and all that. So the 57 games that I had the scores of, um, of the 57 games, the average, the average uh, points scored is 35 points. That to me is crazy for high school. And it's like, where are the defenses? I mean, I just remember starting here in the 80s, you know, you'd see games, you know, 21-17, 17-14. I mean, you just didn't light up the scoreboard. And I understand that the offenses have evolved, to, you know, but not every offense in, in the whole area. The whole area. I just think you got to do better than you know give up thirty five or more points a game. That if you're going to have a winning football team, you're really in high school. I think it really starts with your defense and not your offense. But um, I just found that it's like just looking at some of these scores and all these teams in the fifties and sixties. I'm going holy smokes. <laughs> I mean, criminy. I just I, I don't get it. All right. Well, so in most folks' minds including my own, the next big test of waiting De La Salle was supposed to be Pittsburgh and the NCS playoffs. But Ben saw Clayton Valley this past Friday and reports that the ugly Eagles have definitely found their groove. And in doing so, Coach Murphy proved all three of us wrong by sticking to the spread. In your mind, uh, let's talk let's, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about... I was definitely on that train. Yeah, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your neighbors here. Uh, you know, so in doing, in, in staying with that spread, uh, offense does Clayton Valley create more trouble for the Spartans when you guys meet at the end of the year or should it be a little easier based on the fact that they've faced multiple offenses like that this year while formerly Clayton was always a bit of a gimmicky look that teams had to prep specifically for I'm not gonna speak for every coach in the area but for myself um that offense uh I wouldn't say you know that defensively we ended up doing pretty well against them but it does give you fits because um, there's a lot of down blow. I mean, to you're, I was always worried about in practice. I mean, it's not like a bunch of guys get hurt in game, but you just always worry about that kind of offense. You got to do a lot of down blocking, a lot of double teaming. Um, you're always worried about injuries. You have to practice against it, and you're always worried about injuries during that week. That was always my number one concern with the linemen, just the way that it was so, you know, the – it was just a morass of people and you're always worried about guys landing on because guys haven't run that offense. 
you're just worried about, you know, kids accidentally landing on, you know, behind on kids' legs and stuff like that. And I was always concerned about that. But it was definitely something it was it was I'm not going to say it was gimmicky because it's not a gimmick. It's just hard nosed football, but nobody else does it. So you have to prepare completely. You have to get a mindset completely different. It's it's definitely based off play action pass. So your secondary has to show way more discipline um, than they do against a spread offense in a sense of, you know, they're coming up. They're always worried about the run, run, run. And the other thing was, I don't know if he's still doing that, but it would be three yards, three yards. He always had to stop him for four downs because his philosophy was, I'm going to get two, three yards, two, three yards, two, three yards, and, you know, and just keep going for it. And then eventually I'm going to break one, which, you know, and they were a tough physical team. So uh, in that sense, I would be as a defensive coordinator, I, I, I would be relieved that like, okay, now we're doing something that I, completely understand you know I've coached against before and um get to play against them last week 10 so you've played a lot of spreads up to that point so in in that aspect and in the injury factor and not having to worry about that um that's good but then again if He's got, I, I haven't seen him. So if he's out there with, you know, gr- great athletes and they're, and they're like a St. Mary's of Stockton or Folsom, well, then you're all, you're, you're just as worried. <laughs> it's just a different worry now, you know, about how you're going to stop them. Absolutely. I know they have a decent quarterback because I know we, I think we played against that quarterback last year in the playoffs. So um, I know he, he's a good quarterback and that's where it starts, right? All these offenses that throw the ball start with the quarterback. So He's got that part going right off the bat. And it looks like they, you know, just by looking at scores, they had, you know, they had to get used to it or some hiccups early in the season, but they seem to be catching on to what they want to do now. So that's going to be an issue, no doubt about it. Yeah. You know what I saw uh, supposedly, um, and with last Friday being the first time I've seen them, I guess they really were very pass heavy throughout the season. But what I saw against San Ramon Valley was balance. They they actually ran the ball quite well. They are huge up front. So they always um, are. Yeah. yeah, they their two tackles are just massive human beings. But um, I think they're going to run this spread, and Murph is committed, and I'm not going to question that at all. I think we're in for a little bit of a Sarah Folsom feel here when everybody spends all week getting ready for it, they still have that button they can push. And I think they're going to, they will push it eventually. Maybe against De La Salle, maybe in the playoffs, who knows, but uh, they're multiple. They can do lots of things really well. So I was very impressed. What to your point earlier, I was actually a little more impressed with their scheme against Luke Baker on the defensive side of the ball. I thought their defensive coaches did a great job forcing him to hold the ball half a second, one second longer than he wanted to. And that really fouled Sanderman Valley up. So um, I am, I'm actually wondering from your perspective, if Clayton Valley were ever to change course, or if uh, a team is doing one thing all season, how difficult is it to deviate from your scheme late in the year? I imagine from a defensive perspective, it's a little more necessary because you can run into such wildly different offenses, but is it difficult to switch direction late in the year? Well, you, that's a good question. So it's one thing to practice 
a, a complete a different, you know, a scheme that you haven't shown anybody yet, but it's another thing to actually run it in a game and live and, and, and seeing it. So I, I don't, I, I assume that what he's probably going to do and listening to what you're saying. And like I said, I haven't seen him yet, but he's probably going to have some plays out of formations that, that they've been using all along. And they're just going to run some, maybe a couple of different things that you haven't seen yet. So you kind of, you know, hold back on same formation, but plays people haven't seen. That makes a lot more sense than actually just completely changing your, you know, your scheme. So going double tight, double wing. I, I, I'm, I'm sure he has it in the playbook, but he's, I don't think you're going to be effective running something you haven't run all year long. What you do is, Within your scheme, you just have some plays that you're saving for down the road or when you really need them. And then that's when you, you pull them off. So I think that's the, the important thing. So it'd be like, you know, you were a Veer team. We're a Veer team. Like we did that against Modern Day, we, you know, in uh, 90, in the, at the Stockton game in, in 99. We were a Veer team. We're a Veer team. We had DJ Williams. They're all geared up to stop the Veer. And we came out in four wideouts and spread, but we had McAteris, you know, who was a fantastic quarterback. They hadn't seen that yet. We had been, we'd saved it. We'd been practicing it all summer. We'd been practicing it, you know, at, at practice. We just didn't show it to anybody. So, but it was part of, of who we were. And and that's, that's a little easier to do, you know, with your blocking and stuff like that to go completely different scheme. Uh, that's a little more challenging. It's kind of like bringing in Robbie Ray to be a reliever and he hasn't relieved all for like three years. And all of a sudden there goes a three, one Homer, you know, it's like putting guys in situations they haven't been in. Uh, you know, I don't understand that, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that usually just, you know, you see it all the time in playoffs where most of the time it doesn't work out. You know, you are who you are. And you, you know, you just go with it and you have a few surprises of who you are, but you know, I don't think changing schemes is a good idea. Speaking of, of situations that you haven't been in, I mentioned at the top of the show that my oldest son turned 12 this past weekend and we hosted a sleepover for a couple of friends of his, and I was not prepared for that level of commotion and hysteria. I'm curious if the Edson house was ever a sleepover hub when your daughters were still at home. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> you, you have to. Uh, it's the whole mood. Yeah, stay up. But thing about girls, uh, you know, and uh, I don't. I'm not a misogynist when I say this. I think uh, even uh, women will agree with this. Try to go through a sleepover with no drama. There's just no possible way you can do that. Boys are just going to be, you know, rambunctious and loud. And they're probably chances of something breaking is 50 50. Uh, with girls, there's, there's my daughter's at least. At my daughter's sleepover, it was a lot of their dance friends. There's always drama, always broke out through the night. It was hilarious. But, you know, uh, the girls, People used to always say to me, you know, oh, you got girls, look out. It's like, not my experience. My girls were a dream compared to 
the boys that I've been teaching for 41 years. I loved having girls. They're great. But the, the drama, it's just hilarious to me. That's always something's always got to break out. It's classy. There's always a girl. I want to go home. You, know, and all you get all that. But yeah, but outside of that, it was, you know, um, they're fine. Yeah, it was fine. Well, on that note, that's all we've got for this week. I look forward to the day when Chase asks you to come provide a motivational speech for his little league team. <laughs> Until then, we'll see you Thursday for some picks. Boy, I can't wait for that moment. I'd rather be uh, a little league baseball I'm taking, right? I'd be yeah. little league, right? That's only baseball, right? Little yeah. league only does baseball still. Yeah, okay. Yeah, your, your, your keynote will be let the players play. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Don't listen to shake off your coaches. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I would never, I would never say that. Yeah, no. All right, boys, I'll see you later. Ready to go. Coach. I'm ready to go two to one again. Bravo. Okay. Another fine segment with the old ball coach. And now it's time for our favorite segment. And I'm thinking, nope, nope, nope not going to happen. Not going to happen. I'm playing hurt this week. Got to save those vocal cords. Plus, right. do you really want me to be the Patrick Stewart to your William Shatner? <laughs> Come on and just blow you out of the water? Like, uh, that wouldn't be good for you. All right. I'll keep trying. No special guests to thank this week, so we'll definitely work on getting one for you next week. We will, of course, thank Coach Edson for making his weekly appearance. We build 7 Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's home, sportstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at, at @sportsstarspods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine and at Sports Stars Mag. That's where you get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and designed by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area. And that's it. How about some final thoughts as we head into this week and get ready for another uh, another night of a Friday night action? Yeah, we're definitely starting to, to look towards the postseason. You know, we look through what games are out there this week, and while it looks like kind of a quiet week in the NCS, there are some really good games throughout the SJS and CCS. I guess we should really wrap up by asking if there are any strength and conditioning coaches who listen to us who would willing to who would be willing to maybe take on a new assignment in Santa Clara. Even I couldn't maintain my carefree positive attitude this Sunday. I I don't know what to tell you, Chase. <laughs> Even I'm on the injured injured list at the moment. <laughs> I think it would be great if Sourdough Sam came out with like a cast on this week. <laughs> well, the Chiefs, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that game. Positivity will rule the day. Yeah. Another good week of action out there. It is. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely some good games out there. Uh, we're going to... Take a few stabs at picking a few of them on Thursday, and, and we'll see you then. See you.
Let's roll, boys. 